Amen. Living Stones, you guys can go ahead and take a seat. I'm so glad to have all of you here. It's going to be a great morning. I tell you, the sun is shining, that glowing orb. Did you guys see it on your way in today? In the sky, it feels like it's been forever. But the good news is, I don't know how many of you know this, next Sunday is Daylight Savings Day already. Can I get an amen for that? Like, like we, we, spring is around the corner, and I am, I am super jazzed about that. So, so yeah, don't, don't forget to spring your, your clocks forward. I don't want you getting here, let's see, getting here an hour early, I suppose it would be next, next week. But anyways, I do want to say this about next Sunday, is that we're going to begin a new series next Sunday that we're calling Real Relationships. And, and one, of the, one of the very interesting things about all of us is that we were created, God created us to be in relationship with one another. When, when, when God created the, the world and everything in it, there was only one thing that he said was not good, and that was for man to be alone. He created us to be in relationship with one another. And so what we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks is really God's plan and design for how we can grow in our relationships in our families, in our church, but also in our community as well. So I want to make sure you don't, don't miss out on that. It's going to be a great time starting next Sunday. But today what we're going to do is we're going to finish kind of the final, the final uh, message in our series that we've been calling Unshakable. And it's all about finding hope in the promises of God. And, and God's promises are unshakable because God is unshakable. God is unshakable. He, he can, we, we talked about this, that he can not lie. And, and the writer of Hebrews 10.23, this has been our theme verse for this entire series, has been, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. And so we've been, what we've been talking about is just some of the promises that God has made in his word and that we can stand on, we can rely on those promises and we can choose to be unshakable because God will keep his word. He will keep his promises. And so the first week we talked about the promise that God is near, that he's not far off. He hasn't, he hasn't just left us here, but that when we seek God with all of our hearts, we're going to find him, that God is nearby, that he's close to us. He wants to be in relationship with us. The second Sunday, we talked about the promise of salvation, that the grace of God really is for everybody. And, and that if we, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus has been raised from the dead, that we will be saved, that we can be assured of our, of our salvation. And last Sunday, we talked about the promise of the Holy Spirit, that, that when Jesus left, he didn't just leave us here on earth just to fend for ourselves, but he sent his Holy Spirit here to be our teacher, to be our guide, to be our conscience, that, that his Holy Spirit is is not just with us, but is also in us. And that he's there to be our helper, to be our comforter, to be our guide. And, and I'll tell you, I, I know, and I, I was sharing with our, the elders that, uh, this, this week, how desperately we all need the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That without him, we can do nothing. That without him, in our, I, can't, I can't lead my family, I can't lead my church, I can't make the decisions I need to make as a, as a as a man, as a leader, without the Holy Spirit's lead and, leading and guidance. Well, what we're going to talk about this morning is we're going to talk about the promise that God is going to be making all things new. God will make all things new. And, and there's a day that's coming when justice will be done, 
when justice will be done and all things will be made right once again. Things will be made right, even though right here now they might not seem like they're right, like they might not seem like everything is okay. There's a day that is coming where God is going to come and He's going to make everything new. That, that what we're experiencing now is not the end of the story. That there is much more to be written. And that's what we're going to unpack this morning. So let's pray and then we'll dive into the Word today. So Father, I just want to thank You, God, for how good You are to us. Thank You for meeting us here this morning. Thank You that Your presence is already here. And God, I thank you for your word and, and what you promised to us in your word. I pray that you would help me to, to accurately communicate your word well and that you would open our hearts and our ears and our minds to hear from you this morning. God, we give you the rest of this service today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so let me ask you, when did you first learn the words, it's not fair? Like, d- does, anybody, does anybody remember, and probably not, like you probably don't remember the first time you said it, because you probably first said it when you were only like knee high. Like it, it, because if there's one thing every parent in this room knows is that children don't need to be taught what's fair and what's unfair. Ch- children, children have an innate sense of right and wrong. They, they know when something doesn't feel right. They know when somebody is getting something that they are not. And, and so every parent in, in this room, if you've been a parent or you will be a parent, you know that phrase, oh, it's not fair, and it just kind of grates on you because you're like, yeah, I, I know. And, and, and the thing about it is we, we all know this. So, so, so take, for instance, if you let one of your kids stay up later than all the rest of the kids, you know you're going to hear, well, that's not fair. Why do they get to stay up and I have to go to bed? Or, or maybe when like, it, it's time for dessert, and, you, and maybe not just, this might not just be kids, this might be some of you adults too. Like, you're, you're looking and saying, all right, which one's the biggest one? Like, I, I want to make sure somebody else isn't getting more than me, right? Or, and, and, and I'm just, I'm confessing to you something, I, well, Angela would probably say I still do this, but like on Christmas morning, when you come down and you saw all the gifts under the tree, how many of you like counted the gifts to see if your brother or sister had more gifts than, than you had? Because that was me. My, my parents still accused me of that. In fact, my, my grandma, she, she took this to a whole nother level because there were five of us grandkids. And one of the things that she would do is she would come up in her mind of the amount of money that she was going to spend on each one of us. And so let's just say she decided she was going to spend $30 on each one of us grandkids. Well, what would happen on Christmas morning is we would get our gifts and then we would get an envelope. Because let's say Grandma only spent $27.35 on us. I would get an envelope for $2.65 inside because she wanted to make sure everything was totally fair. And that's a true story. Like we would all get an envelope with like change in it. Uh, of, of the difference of, of what she, she didn't spend. And, and I'll tell you, because she knew, those, she knew right, kids just have this innate sense of, well, that's not fair. That's not, that's not right. And, and our typical response as parents, when we hear the words, it's not fair, is get used to it. Life isn't fair, right? How many parents have ever said that to your kids? Yeah, life just isn't fair. And, and the sad thing about that, that statement is that it's true. Like, I, I wish we could tell our kids, you know what, life is always going to be fair. Things are always going to be, they're always going to turn out right. Everything is going to work out 
great. But the sad reality is that's, that's not the case. We, we all know that life isn't fair. That sometimes bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. And, and there's not really an explanation for that sometimes. Like, we, we, don't, really, we don't really get that. And, and the fact that, that life isn't fair is a reality that every single one of us deal with. The, the, the fact that we live in a world where things are not right, where things are not as they should be, is a reality for every single one of us in this room. And, and I, could, I could list a, a hundred examples right off the top of my head, but one, one like very clear one for me was, this is a couple of years ago, my next door neighbor, we were outside working and he came over to me and he was, he was crying, he was a mess. And his daughter-in-law who is like 31, 32 years old, she woke up one morning and said she had a, a headache. Like on the backside of her head, she ended up collapsing, and a couple hours later, she, she passed away. She was gone. She had, she had a brain aneurysm. And, and literally, like she felt completely fine the day before. There were no symptoms. There, there was nothing outwardly that, that appeared wrong. She just woke up one morning, collapsed, and then, and then was gone. And, and, and he's just like, what, what, do I, what do I even do? Like, because now their son and their two grandkids had to figure out, all right, how are we going to move forward together as a family without mom now? Like, I mean, it's not, it's not right. I, I still, uh, you guys have heard me talk about this, our hometown of Milwaukee, I'll still occasionally read online the newspaper of Milwaukee. And just a couple weeks ago, there was a two-year-old girl that she got caught in some gangland crossfire and ended up ended up getting getting killed this this innocent two-year-old and and you think man what do you even say to the parents in that moment like like this this isn't right it's not fair at all We, we have some friends that there was some faulty wiring in their house and their house started on fire and burnt down and all their their pictures and their memories and and all of that and you know a, a downturn in the economy where people lost their entire life savings in a matter of weeks through no fault of their own and then all of a sudden they were they were wrecked they were they were ruined and and you you look at all this and and, and you just say man this this is just not right that like how much of goes on in this world is just garbage where where it it things are not fair things are not right and and unfortunately that's just part of the fallen, broken world that we live in. Like, I, it, and I, I, wish, I wish I could look at my kids and say, you know what, it, it, it's going to be okay. There's sometimes it's not okay. Like, and and we, we are, again, our, the elders and I, we were having a conversation this week about this. Even take like the idea of, of healing. Like why do some people get healed? Why, why are some people get better from cancer and other people don't? And you just look and you, you just, it doesn't make, it doesn't make sense because it doesn't seem right. And, and I'll tell you, it, it also doesn't have to be this giant catastrophic incident either that, that we deal with that, that demonstrates and shows that, that the world is not right. Um, Angela and I were talking this week about, about this message this morning, and, and she asked me, she said, like, what's one of the things that frustrates you the most about this world? Like, what, what is the thing that just aggravates you the most about the world that we live in. And, and I thought about it for a few minutes. And I said, you know what? I, I think it's that everything just seems to be such a pain in the butt. Like, like everything just seems to be such a hassle and such a pain. Like, and 
like, like I'll, I'll, let me give an example. Because things that are bad, things that are negative, are easy. Anything that's good or worthwhile is hard. It's difficult to do. Like, gaining weight <laughs> is easy. Like, I mean, that, that's, that's not hard to do. Losing weight is the exact opposite. Losing weight is, is difficult. Getting into debt, that is easy to do. I mean, it, it, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to get into debt. Getting out of debt, again, that's, that's a much harder, much more difficult thing to do. The same thing of, it, it's easy to neglect your marriage, to neglect your kids. It's a lot harder. It's a lot more difficult to be purposeful about investing in your kids and pouring into them and loving them, loving your wife. Like the, the things in this world that are bad for you are easy. Like why, why doesn't broccoli taste like chocolate? You, you, you know what I mean? Like the, the things that are bad for you are easy. The things that are good for you are hard to do. And, and I'll tell you, and this is going to seem really petty, but, but this just so clearly illustrated this, this point of just, oh, where, where it just feels like things are just not right. And so um, this was a, a while ago, maybe, maybe about a year ago or so now, one of our, one of our bathrooms, the faucet, was dripping, drip, 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 drip. And so being the, the, the handyman, I was going to be my wife's hero. I was going to fix our, our bathroom faucet and get it to stop dripping. So I went to Lowe's, bought the, bought the part that I needed, went back home, and it was the wrong part. Just like, Bleh. Go back to Lowe's, get the right part, come back home, and it's still not the right part. Like, has anybody ever been there where you like, the people at Lowe's, they're, they're like looking at you like, what is wrong with you, buddy? And so I went back to Lowe's again, and I finally talked to the guy and said, hey, this is the faucet I have. This is what I'm looking for. He's like, oh, dude, I'm sorry. We don't, we don't carry that, that brand. We don't have that part for you. I can't do anything to help you. And so I thought, all right, well, I'm not going to admit defeat. I'm just going to replace the whole stinking faucet. So, so I, bought a, I bought a new faucet, went home, and I start trying to take the old faucet off. And, and I'm not the smallest guy in the world, and so I'm crawling like inside our vanity, trying to unscrew it from, from underneath, and I cannot get it for the life of me. Like, I just, I can't get any leverage, and it was just, it was so aggravating to me. So I go to Lowe's a fourth time, and I bought a basin wrench, and I thought, well, surely this. Like, I bought my basin wrench, I'll, I'll be able to get the, the faucet off, and I'm under there, and I still cannot get this stupid thing off. And, and like, at this point, I'm ready to, like, cuss up a storm. I, like, I, I, was, I, I was just at my, at my end. I, I finally had to disconnect everything. I had to disconnect the, the, the drain line all, all the, you know, and take the entire sink off of the vanity, unscrew, unscrew, take the, the faucet off, put the new one on, and, and all this. And I finally got done. What should have been like a half an hour project at most ended up taking me like seven or eight hours, cost me a hundred bucks, and four trips to Lowe's. You know, and it was one of those things where it's just like, why can't things just work out? Like, has, has anybody ever said that before? Like, why can't things just work? Why does everything have to be such a stinking hassle? And, and the thing about it is, Solomon wrote this. He, he said that it's the small foxes that spoil the vine. That, that oftentimes it's the, those little things that end up robbing you of your peace, robbing you of your joy. We talked about that a couple months ago. But one, one of the things just about this topic and about this principle 
of just why, why does everything just have to be hard? Why can't things just work out and why can't things be right like they're supposed to be? And, and I love reading through the Psalms because if, if you read through any of the Psalms and a lot of them that David wrote, like you, you start to see like David was well acquainted with things not being right in his life. Like David felt messed over time and time and time again. And, and just a reminder to you that David, he had been anointed to be king of Israel, that Saul was the king, but Saul had kind of abandoned the Lord, had, had walked away from the things of God. And so instead of Saul's son becoming the next king, God spoke to the prophet Samuel and said, I want you to go out and I want you to anoint a new king. And he found David and, and anointed him to be the new king of Israel. Well, fast forward a little bit in life, and David, he starts to win some battles. David starts to start getting a reputation. He starts making a name for himself. And Saul, he looked at David, and he saw all the accolades and the applause and everything that was going right for David, and he just became insanely jealous. And he decided he was going to try to kill David. In fact, he went on like multiple like homicidal missions of trying to seek David out and trying, trying to kill him. And David, this, the, the man who had anointed to be the king, ends up having to spend the next several years of his life on the run. He's, he's living in caves. He's trying to, to run for his life from this psychopath that has been trying to, trying to kill him. And during one of these times that he's on the run, David writes what, is what we now call Psalm 13. And I want to read for you the first four verses in Psalm 13. And just, just hear for, out of this, hear David's just anguish. That as, as he's calling out to God. He's saying, How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. Like, I, I love the realness of David in, in this moment. That, that he's, he's, kind of, he's had enough, and he decides, you know what, I, I'm going to let God have it. Like, he, he just kind of says, God, what's, what's the deal? Like, this is not how things were supposed to be. I was supposed to be king, and now I'm running from this madman? Like, God, what, what gives? And how many of us have ever been in that same place? I don't know, I have before, where you've just said, God, this, this doesn't make sense to me. This is not how life was supposed to be. This isn't fair. This isn't right. And I want you to fix this. And I'll, I'll tell you, I wish that I could give everybody an explanation for the bad things that happen in your life. I wish I could tell you why some of those things are happening to you, why there have been injustices in your life, why people have hurt you, why people have wounded you, why, why things just don't ever seem to work out. I, I wish I could give you an explanation for that. And unfortunately, I can't. I can't, always, I can't always tell you why things are not fair. I can't explain to you why things are not right all the time, why there has been injustice that's been done to you. And, and I'll tell you, like... I, I feel for you. Those times that you've cried out and you've begged 
and, and you've prayed and you've pleaded and you've asked God, God, will you do something about this? God, this isn't how it was supposed to be. God, this isn't right. And you call out to him and there's silence. And there's not an answer. And that's hard to deal with. Like I, it, it, It's hard to deal with silence. It's hard to deal with, with a God that you know loves for you, know that cares for you, and yet isn't, seems like he's not working on your behalf. I, I'll tell you, this, this was what Paul experienced. Paul, the, the greatest missionary of all time, the, the one who wrote two-thirds of our New Testament, who, who planted churches, and he was building up and encouraging leaders. And, and, and he literally, this, this one man literally changed the world. He changed the world. And he had one of those things in his life. He, he called it his, 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 a thorn in my flesh, is what, is what Paul referred to it as. And he doesn't, he, Paul doesn't tell us what that thorn in his flesh was. Maybe it was like a, a physical malady or, or disability that he had. Maybe there was a, a, a person in his life. We, we don't really know what that thorn in Paul's flesh was. And, and, and probably by divine providence, he didn't tell us what it was. Because I think we can all relate. Like every single one of us, I'm sure, has that thorn in our flesh that, that just seems to follow us wherever we go. And we can't even seem to do anything about. And the thing about it is, Paul, Paul begged. He, he asked God, God, will you take this, this thorn from me? Will you remove it from me? And he didn't ask God once. He didn't ask him twice. He asked three times, God, will you take this thorn from my flesh? And God's answer was, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. And while that, that might not be the most satisfying answer in the moment, where we want, we want that pain to stop. We want whatever it is that's going on to, to end. We want, we want whatever is not right in our life to be made right, right there in the moment. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you. And, and I want to tell you this, just because God doesn't fix something for you in the moment, just because he doesn't answer you in the way that you want him to answer you, does not mean that he doesn't love you or that he doesn't care. That, that's, not, that's not the case at all. What that does mean, when, when, when God is saying to you, my grace is sufficient for you, what he's saying is, I'm giving you the grace to make it through whatever it is you're dealing with. I'm giving you the grace to endure and, 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 and strive and struggle through what feels like a very loveless marriage. I'm giving you the grace to deal with the wayward child who wants nothing to do with you anymore. I, I'm giving you the grace in the middle of your grief. I'm giving you the grace to deal with this big financial burden that you might be facing. That, that if you're going through something, if God has not made this issue right in your life, what He's saying is, I'm giving you the grace to get through it. I'm giving you the grace to get through it. And while it's hard and while it's painful, He's saying, I'm still there with you. I'm not leaving you on your own. And, and so really that, that's going to that brings us to the promise I wanted to really unpack and share a little bit more about this morning. Is that at some point, at some point, God is going to make everything right. At some point, God is going to make everything new once again. That every wrong that has been done in your life is going to be corrected. Every injustice that you've had to face will be fixed. There is coming a day 
where God will make everything right once again. He's going he's to correct every wrong. He's going to console every hurt. And He's going to restore to you what has been taken away. That's a promise. And I'm going to walk you through that right now. So if you're taking notes, either on your, on your bulletin or in our, in our app, the first thing I want to share with you this morning is this. That at some point, justice is coming. Justice is coming. And that's great news. That the things that have been done wrong to you are going to be, going to be made right. That justice is coming. Luke, the writer of Acts, said this in Acts 17.31. He says, For he, talking about God, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he's talking about Jesus. He's saying at some point there is a day that has been set where Jesus is going to come back and he's going to judge the world with justice. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. That there is a day where Jesus is going to come back and he is going to make everything right. Where he's going to come back and he's going to fix all those things that are wrong. That God is a just God and there is an appointed time. It might not be right when we want it. It might not even be in our lifetime. But there is a day when Jesus is going to come back and he's going to make all those things all those things right. Every injustice will be corrected and every wrong is going to be exposed and made right. Every single one. And even though, like I said, even though things might not be right here, a day is coming when Jesus will be coming back and justice will prevail. Justice will prevail. He's not, I, and let me tell you this, God is not ignorant of the things in your life that are not right. He's not ignorant. It's not that he doesn't care. He's going to fix it at some point. But while we wait, his grace is sufficient for us. His grace is sufficient for us. And, and, I, and I'll tell you this. Every single one of us, that it, like, I, like I told you about our kids, how every kid has an ingrained sense of right and wrong in their life. Where they know things when, when things are not fair and they know when things are. We all have an ingrained sense of justice inside every single one of us. That we want things to be we want things to be right. We want things to be whole the way that they were supposed to be in the beginning. We want a sense of justice. We have a sense of justice about wanting things to be right once again. And so so not only is Jesus going to come back and and make things right, but the second point I want you to know is that there's going to be a time when restoration is coming. Not only is he going to make things right, but Jesus is also going to restore things back the way they were supposed to be in the beginning. There will be a day that that comes. And, and again, Luke in, in Acts chapter 3, he says this, he says, Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything. Now, now let me just kind of explain what that means. What he's saying is, Jesus is not here right now. Jesus is, gonna, is, is not here yet. He, he's remaining in heaven for just a moment until the time comes for God to restore everything. That there's a day that God is going to restore everything as He promised long ago through His holy prophets. That there's coming a time, and I believe it's going to be soon, when Jesus is going to come back and He's going to restore everything. Now, now I, what I want you to hear in that verse is the word restore. And that word restore in the Greek, I'm going to do my best, I'm going to butcher this, 
is apokotestasis, is the Greek word for restore. And what that word literally means is to put something back to its original condition. To put something back to its original condition. This is the same word that is used in Mark 3 where Jesus heals the man who had the withered hand and he restored his hand back to normal. That he, he, put, it, he put his hand back to its original condition. And that's what God is going to do at some point. That Jesus is going to come back and he's going to restore everything back to the original condition of what it was, what it was originally created to be. And so I, I, when, when, when he comes back to restore the world, he's going to restore our bodies. Praise God. He, he's going to restore our minds. Like if you've ever known anybody that's suffered from Alzheimer's, like praise God that he's going to come back and he's going to restore our minds. He's going to put everything back to its original condition. When, when God created Eden, it was a perfect environment. It was a perfect environment by which God could relate to us and be in, in relation to us, but also that we could be in relation to everyone else. Like that was, that was the original perfect condition that was created. And someday, that perfection is going to be restored once again. It, that where, where there will not be, there won't be any, any sin any longer. There won't be any pain, any suffering, any death any sickness, any tears, that there's going to be a perfect place that God restores once again back to its original condition that every single one of us can be a part of. And I tell you, I look forward to that day. I, I look forward to the day when, when Jesus comes and he's going to restore everything back to the way it was supposed to be. If, you, if you've ever thought in your life, man, it was not supposed to be like this. You're right, it wasn't. It wasn't meant to be like this. That was part of, part of what happened in the fall. But the good news is that God is going to make it right. And what was supposed to be, we, we will be able to enjoy once again. And then the final thing I want to share with you is this. Is that at some point, God will make everything new. God will make everything new. I, I'm a, I want to share with you a, a passage from from the book of Revelation. And there's a, there's a lot more in this passage that I'm not even going to try to explain right now. If you've ever done a, a, a study of Revelation, you know there's... Uh, yeah, it, ta <laughs> it, it, ta it takes some learning. I, I, I'm not going to try to explain everything, but there's some pieces in this passage I want to share with you. And I'm going to read from you from Re Revelation 21, verses 1 through 5. And the, this is Jesus' disciple John who is, who is writing this. He says, then I saw, he got a, he, God gave him a revelation. That's why it's called the book of Revelation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there, were no longer any sea, there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her, for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among his people, and he will dwell with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Praise God. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true that God is going to one day 
God is going to make everything new. Everything new once again. That eventually we are going to live in a world that is perfect. The way that it was meant to be. A world that is void of pain. That is void of death. Void of suffering. Void of sorrow. And I love that. That he said he's going to wipe every tear from our eyes. That the pain and the, and the injustice and the things that have happened to you in this world that are not right, we're not going to have to endure that forever. That there's coming a day where he's going to make all things new. Where he's going to make all things right once again. And we, right now, we live in that world where we have to endure garbage. Where, we, where things just are not right. But at some point, at some point, and this is good news for all of us here, at some point, Jesus is going to come and he's going to make all things new, just as it was supposed to be in the beginning. We're not going to have sinks that break down. Like we're, we're, going to, we're, we're not going to have relationship hurts. We're not going to have people that have taken advantage and wounded us any longer. And it's going to be a glorious day. It'll be a glorious day when Jesus comes back, and I can't wait. I can't wait for it. I, I'm, I'll invite our, our worship team to come back up right now, and I, and I just want to kind of close with this thought for you. Because I, 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 pray that this, I pray that this fact is an encouragement to you, that, that one day all things will be made right. One day all things will be made new once again. And, and even though there's a lot that's wrong in our world right now, there's a lot of things that, that are not right. There's a lot of things that are a gigantic pain that doesn't seem fair. And everywhere we look around, everywhere we look around, we, say, we see injustice, we see pain, and we see suffering. But I want to tell you this, and this is the final thought I want to share with you, is the good news is that all that hurt is just temporary. All, all, of, all of the things that are not right in your life, it's just temporary. Paul, Paul wrote this, in his second letter to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. He says, For our present troubles, talking about all the mess that we have to endure and deal with right now, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them all and will last forever. It'll last forever. And I, and I, want, you, I want you to know this. Paul is not being flippant. Paul is not saying the pain and the heartache and the sorrow and the things you've dealt with in your life are no big deal. That's not what Paul is saying at all. Like if anybody had a right to talk about how things were, were wrong and unjust in his life, it was Paul. Because if you remember, Paul, he was whipped 39 times, five times. Like he had had his back ripped open five separate times. He had been beaten with rods three times. He had been stoned shipwrecked, spent a whole day and a night out at sea. He'd been robbed, sleepless nights, starvation, cold. Like it, and all of this because he was sharing the gospel. Because he was sharing the good news about Jesus. If there was anybody who had a right to complain that life was not being fair and things were not as they should be, it was Paul. And what Paul was saying is, there's a day that's coming. That like the, the, These trials and the things that we are facing right now they only last for a period of time. It's just temporary. But someday, someday, we're going to be able to experience a glory that vastly outweighs all of the mess that we've had to deal with. All the things that are unjust and not right in your life. 
Someday, he said, we're going to be able to experience that glory and it's going to last forever. It's going to last forever. The, the things that are not right in your life are temporary. And sometimes we just need to hold on. That he has given us the grace to push through and to continue on until that day comes. Until that day comes when all things are going to be made right. And I'll tell you this, it's going to be a great day. It's going to be a great day when all things are restored. When justice has been brought back to us. When all things are made right. And so if you would, would you just stand for me right now? I, I just want to close just by, by praying for you this, this morning. And I especially want to pray for those of you right now that are just going through something where you look at it and, and it just it doesn't seem right and it doesn't seem fair and you're just in need of the grace to hold on. Let, let me pray for you this morning. So Lord, God, we just want to tell you how much we love you this morning. And God, we are so grateful, Lord, that you have not left us here on our own. God, you, you've given every single one of us. You've ingrained it in, inside all of us from the time we were kids. Of just having a sense of justice, a, a sense of when things are right and when things are wrong. And Lord, my heart breaks for my friends that are here this morning. Or maybe they're just experiencing just the, this, this turmoil where, where they just look at their life and say, this is not how it was supposed to be. This is not what the plan was. And Lord, we, we know that you agree with that. That it was not your plan for pain. It was not your plan for suffering. It was not your, your plan for injustice and heartache to be such a, 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 a normal part of our lives. And God, I, I pray for, for those in, in the room this morning that are going through that, that are dealing with that. Maybe they're dealing with a, with, with a sickness that just won't go away. Maybe they have a thorn in their flesh, Lord, whatever it might be. God, I pray that you would pour your grace out in their lives, that your grace would be sufficient for them, that they would be able to hold on to that until that day that you make all things new, that you make all things right once again. God, we're so thankful that you are going to do that. We're so thankful, Lord, that, that our, our issues and the, the pain that we feel right now is temporary. But God, that we are going to be able to experience an eternity with you in perfection, the way that it was supposed to be from the very beginning. So Father, I pray you strengthen my friends this morning. God, that you would bind up their wounds. That you would heal the broken hearts. And God, that you would give them the grace that they need to continue pressing on towards you. Father, we just want to tell you we love you and we thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.